Good morning. Happy New Year. Thank you. New Year is a time of transition and new beginnings. So here it is at FBC Freeport. This is a day of transition and new beginnings. So we're up here this morning to mark the end of Mike's pastorship here and the beginning of Jonah's role as the sole pastor here. A transitional time like this reminds me of another transition our family went through about 15 years ago. It was when our oldest child, Sherilyn, was starting college. Hard to believe that was 15 years ago. I remember waking up in the middle of the night, the night before I drove her down to college, with a sense of panic. I wondered if in the last 18 years, did I tell her everything I needed to tell her? Did I tell her about walking with God? Did I tell her that boys were evil? (laughs) Did I tell her everything she needed to know? Then I thought, I know, I'll tell her on the way down. Between here and Portland, I'll just jam it all in and and tell her everything that I forgot to tell her. That's what I'll do. And as I began to list in my mind everything I should tell her, all of a sudden I had this comforting sense and assurance from the Lord saying, Mike, you already told her. You already told her those things. Just tell her how much you love her. And that's how I feel today. After being in this church for the last 26 years and serving as pastor here for the last two and a half years, I think I've already told you everything I meant to tell you about abiding in Christ. Not that boys are evil. They're not really evil. Um, I just tell my girls that. Um, I've already told you about abiding in Christ, walking with God in Christ's great commission. You already know those things. And so I should just tell you how much I love you. Narelle, what's this transition been like for you? Thanks, Mike. Um, You know, I can honestly say it's been such a privilege to be a part of this church the last few years and fun to be the pastor's wife, you know. Um, And I'm just filled with gratitude for all of you and the incredible way that you've supported us, that you've loved on us, and really made it a joy to be here. and um, honestly, we're hopeful about this next chapter. I, I don't, it's not, um, you don't really see this as an ending so much because we're going to still be around. So I see this more as a, a next chapter of where we'll be. And I'm looking forward to just taking some time for refreshment and a little bit more focus for Mike. He'll be having one job instead of two, so it'll be a little easier to kind of, um, and just to enjoy waiting on the Lord, especially the next few weeks, and see what does he have for us? We know that he has something good, and we are excited about what he has for you, too. Mm-hmm. And know with confidence, we feel, and, and I'm really happy to be able to just be um, moving on with confidence that God is doing something here, that you guys are just wonderfully hearing from him, and Jonah and Danielle are, are wonderfully capable to kind of um, step into this role. So. Well, speaking of transitions, the book of Isaiah contains the messages from God through the prophet Isaiah that came in the midst of impending transitions for God's people. After years of walking away from God and years of Isaiah preaching messages of warning and hope, the people of Israel were about to go through a tough transition and be invaded by Assyria and then Babylon where they'd be carried off for many decades. This happened sometime after Isaiah chapter 39. The passage we'll look at today, very briefly, 
as part of this farewell message is Isaiah 63, 7 through 9. And it comes during a period of time at the end of the exile through what seemed to be the work of Isaiah's disciples after him, because Isaiah didn't live that long. They published Isaiah's messages of warning and hope and implied them to their day. So that's kind of what happened in Isaiah 40 through 66. We'll look at that message, at, at the message in this passage that should cause us to look back, look up, and look forward, which is the title of this sermon. Well, what we want to do today is walk through Isaiah 63, 7 through 9. Michael, describe a little of the context, and then I'll share a few thoughts. Then we want to each share some recollections as we look back on our time here at FBC Freeport and how much we love you all. And then we want to finish by looking up and looking forward. We will ask Jonah and Danielle to come up so we can share a few words with them and with you and pass the baton of leadership to them. So that's what we want to do this morning. But first I'll pray and then Narelle will read the passage. Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you for this time you've given us. Lord, we pray that you would just uh, help us to enjoy this moment, to savor the moment of transition. Uh, Lord, to look back at this and uh, plant a flag in the ground, a beachhead, if you will, of further progress that uh, we will all make as we see your gospel advanced in this work of making disciples uh, uh, furthered, Lord. God, we just pray that as Norrell and I speak today that you would... Um, Help us to say the things that you want us to say and share the love and, and affection we have for each one of the folks here. We just thank you and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> um, Isaiah 63, 7 through 9. I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord, the praises of the Lord, according to all that the Lord has granted us, and the great goodness the house, to the house of Israel that he has granted them according to his compassion, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he said, surely they are my people, children who will not deal falsely. And he became their savior. In all their affliction, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. So that's Isaiah 63, 7 through 9. What I want to do is give you a quick uh, context of the verses that immediately precede that, verses 1 through 6. Um, and, and when we look at those verses, we see a mighty warrior fresh from battle. Fresh from battle. And we see two questions being asked of that mighty warrior. The first one is, who are you? Who are you? And the second one it comes on the heel. In my own words, the second question is, and why are your fine clothes such a mess? Such a bloody mess, actually. And if you read it, you'll see. The answer to the first question appears to come from God himself, saying, it is I, speaking in righteousness, mighty to save, mighty to save. And that's where that song comes from, Mighty to Save. It's from Isaiah 63, 1. In the answer to the second question, we find out that he has just come from vanquishing their enemies, a task that was difficult and messy. Difficult 
and messy, a task that he performed alone. (laughs) What we find out from these verses is, is that God was saving Israel from horrible enemies, that he did so in a mighty way, that it was messy, and that he was the only one who could do it. And this pointed to God sending Jesus to save us. In the same way, Jesus is our Savior, and He is mighty to save, to save us from horrible enemies, namely, our own propensity to sin and the enemy of our soul who tempts us to do so. Those are our mighty enemies. The work was messy, and Jesus was the only one who could do it. Yes, when we realize the magnitude of what he did for us in Christ, what only he could do, then our souls do cry out for a Savior who is mighty to save. Mighty to save. It's into this context that we come to Isaiah 63, 7-9. The passage can be divided into two parts, looking back and looking up. Then, of course, we will want to consider what we should do about it, which we call looking forward. So the first part, verse 7, looking back. I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord, his praises, and his goodness to us. That's what he says. So this is the narrator talking. Based on what just happened, being delivered from their enemies, I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord, his praises, and his goodness to us. Thanksgiving and praises begin with remembering. Remembering. Remembering what God has done and what he's like. Remembering. Remembering. An appropriate word for the start of the new year. For the last hundred years, Time Magazine has been putting out a year in review, a sort of summary of all the highlights of the previous year. This review, or remembering, has become so popular that now ABC, CBS, CNN, Fox News, Google, Instagram, Netflix, even YouTube, and almost every other media platform has their own version of the year in review, the highlights of what to remember of the year. What do we remember of 2022? The war in Ukraine, economic changes, uncertainty, protests, Hurricane Ian, exciting sports events, or maybe something more personal like a change in location or vocation, a graduation, a birth, or perhaps death of a loved one. What should we remember, and who should we remember with? Remembering is a holy calling. Remembering is something that God's people were called to do from the earliest times and is even part of the Ten Commandments. God's people are to remember the goodness and love and mercy of God and the ways he has delivered them. The Israelites were commanded to observe and celebrate holidays as a way of remembering and honoring God's work amongst them. Holidays, that is, holy days, like Passover, the Day of Atonement, Feast of Booths, and more. These holy days marked the path of God's hand on his people. The remembering and purposeful celebration of these days brought a holy rhythm to God's people. Here in Isaiah 63, verse 7 says, I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord, the praises of the Lord. Isaiah is called to remember or to set in remembrance the steadfast love of the Lord. 
Isaiah is remembering before God and with God his never-failing steadfast love and goodness. Isaiah is calling on God as Israel's father and redeemer to remember his people and bring relief to their suffering once again. So that was Isaiah 63, 7, uh, which talks about looking back. Verses 8 and 9 talk about looking up. We are God's people. He is our Savior. And then he speaks these incredibly optimistic words over us. Very optimistic words over us. He says, surely they are my people, children who will not deal falsely. Really? Children who will not deal falsely. These words, if you look at the passage, these words are hard to reconcile with the rebellious nature of the people of Israel, especially when you look at verse 10. (laughs) And it's hard to reconcile these words with our own rebellious nature, isn't it? It's almost as if God is speaking these noble things into us, speaking these noble things into us. And that's what many of the commentators say is happening. To make us that way, to make us people who will not deal falsely. And we see God identify with our sufferings, trials, and temptations. It says, when we were afflicted, he was afflicted. When we were afflicted, he was afflicted. And that's what it says in that Isaiah, that Hebrews passage that Hope uh, read to us this morning. He saved us, he redeemed us, he lifted us up, and carried us all the days of, of old. You know, as Narelle and I were preparing this, there was one morning where I woke up and I just turned on this song. <laughs> and it's sung by Selah. And I played it, and it just, he lifts me up so I can walk on mountains. He raises me up. And at the the very end, he says, um, she says, he raises us up to be more than we could be, to be more than we could ever be without him. And that was the work that he did with us as we look up. (laughs) What a savior Israel has. What a savior, savior Judah has. He has shown great goodness to the house of Israel. Not just goodness, but great goodness according to his compassion, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. This steadfast love is Israel and Judah's staying power. Isaiah is pleading for Jerusalem according to God's compassion and steadfast love. Even in God's people's weakness, in their failures and rebellion, God does not abandon them, but he instead finds a way to rescue them. And we echo Isaiah's plea, calling on a Savior who will not abandon us, but instead comes to our rescue. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Well, that's our quick review of Isaiah 63, 7 through 9, which brings us to our third point. What do we do about it? What do we do now? We look forward. So we looked back, we looked up, and we looked forward. The implication is that if he has done this before, and we are his people now, we should be confident that he will lead us into the future. This is the message of hope that we so desperately need. 
We need this God of hope and love described by Isaiah. Is God not the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow? Is he not pouring his abundant goodness on his children night and day, even now? Surely, he has already gone the extra mile to redeem us. He has laid himself out for us, and in his love and mercy has redeemed us. Shall we then say in our hearts that he has forgotten us? He who has engraved us on the palm of his hands, has he abandoned us? He who has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Will he not deliver us, deliver us from fear, darkness, addiction, anger, futility, or any manner of issues that separate us from him and from one another? Surely he is good. Surely he remembers us. Surely God remembers his covenant to Abraham, to Moses, to David, and thus to us through Christ. We rest in his capable, sure, and unchanging nature. He will always have mercy and compassion on his people. He remembers us. We are to remember his goodness and deliverance prayerfully before him, reminding him of his covenant promises, putting all of our hope in him, looking to him alone for deliverance. We, return, we turn now to remember some of the wonderful works God has done here at First Baptist Church of Freeport. <laughs> so, we're going to look back, Norrell and I, right now. Looking back on the last 26 years of coming to this church and the last two and a half years as pastor, two things stand out to me that I love most about this church. First one is the focus on God's Word. The focus on God's Word. The Bible. And the second is the community of friends. You know, the first thing, I could always count on hearing a biblically-based sermon here. All these 26 years. And you, you know that, because you could count on that too. Bible studies, biblically-based books in Sunday school, small groups. Focusing on the Word of God was something we could always count on coming here. And that's one of the things I really have appreciated. But the second thing, probably the thing that attracted me first, was um, the friendship and genuine community that we have here. And I mean genuine community. This is a place where you know that you are loved. You're loved by God and loved by the people here. When a tree falls in your yard, there will be guys coming over with their chainsaws. <laughs> this happens. That actually happens here. Some of you were ministry partners with us in the prison ministry. A couple of you guys. Some of you in the student ministry and the community ministry. Some of you joined us for spring break trips to New Orleans. Right, John? Anthony, John Anthony and John Schwanda. And some of you joined us in Washington, D.C., for spring break trips with the college students. We have all been through thick and thin together here, haven't we? We've seen good times and bad. Lives have been changed. People have grown in their walks with God. Families have been restored. Generations of disciples have been made. But there were difficult times, times that were painful, and messy. 
when the best thing we could do is trust God in prayer and repentance and stick together as faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's what we did. We stuck together during those times. I will take these memories with me. And I will always remember the good times in the Word with my faithful friends and Christian family here. Thanks, Mickey. Um, impossible. <laughs> it's impossible to summarize in the next minute or so all that God's done here at FBC in the last few decades. I echo with the gospel writer John when he says at the end of his gospel, now there were many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. <laughs> We've done a lot of life here. Mm -hmm. A lot of life together in the last few decades. Lots of babies were born <clears throat> while we were here. <laughs> this has been home for us. <laughs> and I am so thankful for the companionship and the stability I'm thankful for example after example of people committed to Jesus and putting his interests above their own, not because they're feeling compelled to some outward standard, but because of genuine heart for him. I think that's what first drew us to this church, and it's still true today. We've honestly seen examples of fierce love and commitment mm -hmm. to the church. Um, just We've met some of our closest friends here and received so much more than we could imagine. We've honestly been showered with love from constant encouragement to hundreds of meals delivered. <laughs> Those free meals every time you have a baby. Every time you have a baby. <laughs> you know, they... <laughs> I think it was Holly's garlic knots that are responsible for most yeah, of our kids. Right? Yeah. Um, help with our cars, our house, and our kids. And we have seen extraordinary examples of love, sacrifice, and determination. Um, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this morning, and I just thought of just... All of the people, like there's, there's so many people that have come into our lives and are either no longer here. So many blessings of people have actually gone on to be with the Lord. And mm. I, I think of like Florence Andreessen mm. sitting next to mm. her birthday cake on her 100th year birthday and just a tear yeah. streaming down her face and wondering, I wonder what one thinks about on their 100th birthday. <laughs> like, you know, what, but, but just how grateful I am for her and Larry and their, their love for Jesus till the end, till their dying day for Bob Hall who would come to church and he couldn't stand up. He couldn't look you in the face because his back was so bent. And yet asking for prayer just from the elders, just even, you know, mm -hmm. soon, you know, just well, well into his older age. Or Jenny mm -hmm. Profeno, I, I tell you, that, that lady was so dear to my heart. Just always, always a word of encouragement. Not asking or looking for things for herself. Married at age 16, never left the state of Maine. Wondered when I said, have you ever been on a camping vacation? She kind of looked at me curiously, like, why would someone need to do that or want to do that? But yet, she was 98 years old, and she said, oh, yep, I had my whole family, a 22 over. I cooked like a 24-pound turkey. And I just meditated on that for years, really thinking about, how do you at age 98 even pick up a huge turkey like that and get it in the oven? You know, just like she never thought of herself, and just what a good example to me and to give me the courage. So many of you and so many that have gone before are giving me the courage to enter into the next chapter of life bravely with this heart of like, Lord, let not me grow, let me not grow stale. Let me stay green and fruitful to you till the end of my days. And I am so thankful for all of you, so all of you in this room and how you continue to be a wonderful example to us 
Um, you, your, God's presence in you has truly enriched my life um, in ways I can't even explain, and it's enriched the lives of my family. But your, it's because of God's presence in you, I get a little bit better of a picture of him and have courage to just take those next steps that God's calling me to. So I really do truly love all of you, and I don't see this as an ending, but just a different chapter of our journey together. So what we'd like to do now, since we looked back, we want to look forward and look up. Um, so I'd like to call up Jonah and Danielle here, and we'd like to, Noel and I would like to share some things with them. We, th- we thought that Danielle might be bringing up a baby, but she she's managed good. for well. a moment to have her hands free. <laughs> so, Jonah, first of all, your job description includes many duties and responsibilities. I know, we were a part of reviewing it and helped write it. And in, as you serve as pastor, theologian, shepherd, and elder of this church, you'll be busy with many things. But I want to remind you that only one thing is necessary, and that is sitting at the feet of Jesus, being with Jesus. I can sum up your job description in four words. Would you like me to do that make it really simple? And you guys can all hear this. This is his job description in four words. You walk with God. You walk with God. And Danielle, I want to address this to you too, because while Jonah is the pastor, the pastoral ministry involves both of you, and it impacts both of you as joint heirs of a common grace. Both of you walk with God. Both of you walk with God. The one thing we want most from our leaders the one thing we want most from our leaders is to know that they're walking with God. That they're connecting to and listening to God. Leading us to do so as well. Remember, we must abide in Christ. For without Christ, we can do nothing. So abide in Christ. Abide in Christ. Walk with God. And that's my charge to you. Yes, fulfill your ministry. Do all the duties and responsibilities in your job description and calling. But above all, walk with God. Thanks, Mike. Um, I just have a few simple thoughts that have great power to sustain you. Simple verse. Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Jesus has, has saved you and is continuing to save you from all that opposes him. Remember that he's with you. Remember that he loves you. Jesus has already proven that by completely humbling himself and becoming human, and then dying a painful, shame-filled death in place of you, uh, he's already proven he loves you. Really, nobody would do that for somebody they didn't care about. (laughs) So believe. Hold on to the faith that's in you, that God has graciously given you. Life is not easy. It has a way of beating all of us up, Even more, living for Jesus requires sacrifice, a daily dying of self in order to embrace God's ways and be a benefit to others. A shepherd lays down his life for his flock. So when life feels difficult or even discouraging, don't be alarmed. Just look to Jesus for help, power, courage, and perseverance you need. 
Keep yourself in God's love and continue to believe. And thus God himself will show himself to you and sustain you. I'm confident that the Lord Jesus will do this for you, for both of you and your family. And that he'll do marvelous works in you and through you that bring glory to him. So I just want to say I love you both. And I'm so excited for this next chapter in your lives and in all of your lives. Don't go down yet. Um, I want to give a charge to the congregation, and then we're going to pray over you. So certainly the same charge that we gave to Jonah and Danielle applies to all of us. We all need to walk with God and abide in Christ. The one thing that's necessary that Jesus told Martha was to sit at the feet of Jesus, to be with him, to be abiding with him today and every day. We must never be so busy about the affairs of the kingdom that we forget about the king. We should never be so busy with the affairs of the kingdom that we forget about the king. But I would also remind you about the mission of this church. This mission was developed by the transition committee led by my predecessor, Steve Kahulis. And I love it. I've loved this mission. To glorify God, love others, and make disciples of Christ. Simple mission, to glorify God, love others, and make disciples of Christ. I would charge you to pursue that mission as your own personal mission. Not just the church's mission, but as your personal mission. Remember, one of the jobs of the pastor is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, which is the building up of the body of Christ until we all reach maturity. Maturity is the goal. And the pastor is here to equip you to be a part of that ministry to help us all mature in Christ. So a big part of Jonah's job is to equip you for the work of discipleship and disciple-making. My desire, while I've been here, is to help you take Christ's great commission personally. That it's your great commission to make disciples. So I've tried to help us know what a disciple is and begin to have a heart for disciple making. My definition of a disciple is very simple. It is someone who is becoming like Christ, someone who is following Christ and becoming like Christ according to the gospel of Christ. Following, becoming like, and the gospel. Those three things. They do this by word, prayer, fellowship, and witnessing as they become generational through life-on-life ministry. The heart of the mission of this church should be your heart. To glorify God, love others, and make disciples of Christ. Amen? I'll close by reading from Acts chapter 20. It was part of the Apostle Paul's farewell address to the church leaders at Ephesus, and it was a chapter that Jonah preached on May 22nd, entitled, Ready to Leave. (laughs) Right, Acts 20, 28 through 32. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. 
and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease, night or day, to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Now before uh, we close, and I, I didn't have a baton, but this is the best thing I have for a baton. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so um, we're going to pass the baton of leadership to Jonah and Danielle, and we will pray for you. I was thinking of giving you the credit card, but yeah, that would probably be better. But uh, anyway, <laughs> let's uh, pray over you. Um, here, why don't you take this side over here? Yeah, that's good. Lord God, we come before you thankful that uh, you've given us this privilege, this privilege to walk together with this couple. Lord, there have been wonderful times in these last two and a half years as they've been here among us. Lord, we pray, God, that you'd put your hand on them for the service of your kingdom. Lord, that they would feel a sense of calling from you, that you'd see them through the difficult times that may be ahead. And yet, Lord, give them just refreshing times with you regularly. Lord, we pray, God, that you would do a great work through them and in them. Father, that uh, they would be good shepherds of your flock and that uh, you would just uh, use them to do great things here in the church uh, with these people in the Midcoast area and to the ends of the earth. Um, I agree with that, Lord. I agree with that prayer. And thank you so much for Jonah and Danielle taking this call to ministry and coming here and... Um, Lord, we believe that your, your presence is here and that um, you not only go out with us, but that you're here with Jonah and Danielle and all, all of you, all the congregation here. So thank you um, for this. We pray, Lord, we just pray blessings on Jonah and Danielle, particularly and the church, um, trusting that your good um, hand is with them and that you're working here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.